Sometimes we choose our challenges. Other times the challenges choose us. It's what we do in the face of those challenges that defines who we are and, more importantly, who we can and will become. Travis demonstrated that one person can make a difference. And each of us took that upon ourselves, tried to make the world a little bit better in whatever form you want to do it, choose to do it. One person can make a difference. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today, we're having the largest group ever on the Midland Money Mindset, and I'm grateful to have them all join us to remember and honor Travis Roy and the legacy he has created. Scott Littner is the organizer of the Travis Roy Hockey Classic that will be having its sixth annual event on Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. This event has raised in excess of $1 million for the Travis Roy Foundation, and we are looking to add to that tremendous total. In addition, we will be joined by Brenda and Lee Roy, Travis's parents who have helped to turn the events in Travis's life into some great work to help those affected by spinal cord injuries everywhere and work towards a cure. Last but not least, we will be joined by Dr. Randy Trumbauer, the Executive Director of the Travis Roy Center for Enhancing Functional Independence and the Director of the Spinal Cord Injury Division at Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. Travis Roy was 20 years old and an incredible hockey player with a promising future. And in October of 1995, taking the ice for the very first time as a freshman at Boston University, A freak accident drove him into the boards, leaving him paralyzed from the neck down just 11 seconds into his first shift ever. 11 seconds was all it took to end this young man's career and change his life forever. As his struggle became national news, an entire country became his fan club, cheering him on as he adjusted to daily life and rooting for him when he established the Travis Roy Foundation, which is dedicated to research and one-on-one assistance for spinal injury cases, and in the coming months, will support the Travis Roy Center. Six years ago, after his dad suffered a spinal cord injury, Scott Littner decided to launch the Travis Roy Hockey Classic. This event brings hockey players from all over the country and allows them an opportunity to skate at Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, to honor and remember Travis and raise monies for spinal cord injuries. As I said, this event has raised in excess of $1 million in its first five years, and we look to add to this total this year. 
Being a huge hockey family, as you all know, I could not think of a better way to combine my love of hockey and charity than to participate and help raise money for this great game and this great cause. Listen in for some great takeaways about Travis's story, his tremendous spirit, and the legacy he has left behind. I hope you will find it in your heart to make a donation and help me in supporting this great cause. I have the amazing pleasure today of talking about two things I should say that I really love. One, hockey. Very important to me and my family and something that I love. And number two, charity. And when I can combine those two things together, it is such a win and unbelievably rewarding. And I will also say, as I mentioned in the intro, I have the pleasure of having the biggest group ever. I have three with us today on the show. We have Scott Littner, who is the founder of the Travis Roy Hockey Classic. We have Lee Roy, who is or was Travis Roy's father. And then we have Randy Trumbauer, who represents the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. Thank you all for joining us today as we get in to talk about hockey and the Travis Roy Hockey Classic. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Nice to be here, Larry. Thank you. So I want to start out by sharing with our audience. I mean, obviously, I know the story about Travis Roy. I was watching that game. I was in college. I was a junior watching that game and saw the events unfold. But Lee, can you spend a few minutes and share with our listeners the story about your son, Travis Roy, what happened and what ended up coming out of those events? Well, to try to... Tell who Travis was, born in Maine, Augusta, Maine, and his father at that time, I managed ice arenas, and I was managing ice arena when he was born and continued for the next 20 or so years managing ice arenas. So as Travis grew up, we moved to Yarmouth, Maine, which is just outside of Portland, and he grew up in Yarmouth. Like everybody, you go through youth hockey, and for him, it was Casco Bay Youth Hockey. Did all the travel teams where we traveled around New England, primarily in Maine. And then he finally, as a freshman, did two things. He was at the Yamath High School, good hockey program. And as all the coaches that said in different sports camps, you need goals. And so he sat down and one day walked out surprising his mother and father as we were watching the news and said, I've got my goals set. <laughs> we said, oh, good. <laughs> and uh, what are they? And he had three goals in his life at freshman year. One was to good enough to be recruited for Division One hockey and academically prepared to be able to get accepted at a Division One school. Then he said, if I'm good enough for that, I hopefully will be good enough in the NHL and get drafted to play in the NHL. And finally, in, in quote unquote, he said, not to sell myself short, he said, somebody's going to make the Olympic team, so why not me? <laughs> so early on, he set his goals, and truly his passion for hockey continued to grow. And he stayed one year at Yama at the high school and realized the bigger fish were in Class A. So he moved to a Class A school, which was North Yarmouth Academy, which is the arena I was managing. After two years at North Yarmouth, he had established himself as uh, the big fish in the small pond, and he knew that still wasn't going to get the doors open. So he transferred to 
Tabor Academy down in Marion, Massachusetts, and repeated his junior year. He was small, and he thought hopefully he could grow some in, uh, with an extra year. At Tabor, they were a hockey power and a great school. And looking back, Travis will say the two best years of his life were at Tabor Academy. By his end of his junior year and going into his senior year, he was highly recruited, probably ended up as one of the top six recruits in the United States for Division I hockey. Choices abounded, and he went to to the defending national champion, Boston University, as his number one selection. And so in the fall of 95, he was enrolled, and as a freshman with six other, five other recruits, was able to make the varsity team in the first game against North Dakota on October 20th. He was on the third line with a guy that some people in New York certainly will know. His name is Chris Drury. (laughs) He had a pretty outstanding career, and Travis was his line mate that first game. And the third line went out after BU scored against North Dakota. They dropped the puck. And 11 seconds later, Travis went to check the player from North Dakota, slipped off him, went into the dashboards, and hit his head in a manner that his neck at the fourth and fifth vertebrae, and in essence left him, as we knew back in 95, a a quadriplegic, rendered as a quadriplegic. Spent the next six months in two different hospitals and uh, finally got out of the Shepherd Rehab Center in Atlanta. And following year, he was back at BU, graduated in four years. His passion for hockey, and that truly was the first 20 years, made a transition while he was at school. And his passion became a purpose, and the purpose became the Travis Roy Foundation. And here we are, 27 years later, and the foundation has done remarkable things. And one of those is the endowment at the Spalding Rehab Center in Boston that was very close to Travis Hart, and as well as down at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta. So his passion was always hockey, but his purpose became spinal cord injured survivors and their loved ones. Well, I'll tell you, Lee, the thing that resonates with me is he was very goal driven from a very early age. And it seemed like it seems like that carried out throughout, even though hockey, the goals there kind of changed and came to an end there. It seems like he really refocused. And as you were telling that story, I remember exactly where I was watching that game. And I, it was the first time that really a lot of attention was brought to injuries in sports. For me, that was maybe it's because of my age also. That's like my first recollection of remembering somebody who was injured and seeing that happen and bringing light to spinal cord and other injuries. Why do you think that Travis and his unbelievably positive outlook after his injury resonated with so many others? It seemed like he almost gained this following because of his passion and turning into a purpose and the fact that he was so driven. It seemed like there were so many others that it really resonated with. Why do you think that is? Well, I think one of the main things, and you mentioned it, you were watching on television, and it was caught 15 feet away, the actual impact of his body. That went viral within the first 24 hours around the world, literally. 
And that was viral before viral was like internet viral <laughs> cool, right? <laughs> yeah, because it's so seldom that you actually see somebody breaking their neck. That Christopher Reeve would be one that all of us recognize as Superman and so forth. But he was a young man that just starting out in his first game and so forth. So caught on television, I think, was one of the big things. And then for, and again, Larry, your hockey player, Scott, is in the... But by the grace of God, go I think probably went through the minds of lots and lots of people in the sport of hockey. And not just hockey, football, contact sports. It, it is part, but it's so forth. And I think for six months, the mystery surrounding Travis Roy, because nobody had ever met him before. And he was in hospitals for the first six months. So all of a sudden, there were pictures of, I guess you'd describe some of this all-American boy blonde-haired, blue-eyed. <laughs> it got shown over and over, that video. That wasn't a one-shot deal. It continued to come up. And then the other thing, getting more to your point, is it almost is impossible to find a picture of Travis without that smile on his face. I think that smile just broke down so many barriers when people met Travis. And then his positive attitude almost became infectious. If you met Travis and you hung around him, you went away feeling better about yourself and realized, gee, if that kid could get through what he's getting through, then heck, I should be able to get through some of the things that I think are pretty steep on, on my ladder and so forth. Yeah, and Lee, I think that is probably the biggest takeaway that I think our listeners should take away, that regardless of what's going on in your life, if you want to learn how to overcome adversity and keep that positivity, read about Travis's story, because I think it's inspirational, and it really could inspire countless others to look past what might be in front of them. I tell a story a lot when I talk to people in my profession, sometimes they get clouded by stuff on the media and overwhelmed, and I say, if you're walking down the road and you pick up a pebble and you put it between your two fingers and you put it three inches in front of your eyeballs, it looks like a but you know, if you put it out an arm's length and look at it and put it in perspective, and sometimes you need that perspective. And I think Travis brought a lot of that to the table. I want to shift for a minute. Scott, can you're the organizer of the uh, Travis Roy Hockey Classic, which, as I've told people who follow me, that I'm going to be taking part in. I am unbelievably grateful to be able to take part in this event and combine two passions of mine, hockey and doing some good. Can you share with our audience how this skate at Madison Square Garden and Travis's honor came to be? And what are you looking to accomplish by putting this event together? I know you've done it for five years. We're going into the sixth year. Can you share with our listeners what that's all about? Definitely. First of all, thank you for including me in this podcast, Larry. I really do very much appreciate it. By way of background, I grew up in Boston where my family still lives. And in 2005, my father had an accident and needed emergency spinal cord fusion surgery. He then spent several months at Spalding where he received incredible post-op care, including extensive physical therapy from the team at Spalding. After his accident, my family's lives were turned completely upside down. My father needed 24-7 care, and we had to retrofit my parents' house in order for him to comfortably get around. After my dad left Spalding, 
I wanted to get involved in a charity that was related to spinal cord injury survivors and was introduced to Travis by a mutual friend of mine who I played hockey with growing up in Boston. As soon as I met Travis and spent time with him, I wanted to be involved in his foundation. I've been living in New York for the past 17 years and we drive up to Boston and play in Travis's annual charity hockey game at BU, which has raised a significant amount of money for spinal cord research and provided grants for adaptive equipment. So six years ago, I asked Travis if he would let me organize a game for his foundation at Madison Square Garden. And during that time, we raised over a million dollars, which has helped touch so many lives. The New York Rangers organization has been incredibly supportive of our efforts I really, I can't thank them and their staff enough, including Chris Drury, who Lee mentioned, general manager, and also played hockey with Travis at BU. Now that the Travis Roy Foundation has come to a close, we are shifting our fundraising efforts this year to Spalding, which has created a dedicated program for those who have spinal cord injuries in Travis's name. Given my firsthand experience with my dad at Spalding, I feel very strongly, this is the right organization for us to be raising money for this year. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. So I guess you, you definitely have that personal connection going through that experience with your dad. And I guess you're you, like me, you're combining two passions. And I like you, I'm a Ranger season ticket holder. So I am a big fan of the Ranger organization. I know a lot of the folks that work in the organization. And I will tell you, it's such a commendable and respectable organization. They do so many good things, whether it's like this or their Garden of Dreams Foundation. There's always something good coming out of the events at and with that organization. So thank you for organizing this. I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of it. I want to bring Dr. Trumbauer into the conversation because, you know, we're talking about the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. So to give our listeners and those that may be supporting me as a skater or Scott or one of the other many people that are taking part in this event on March 2nd, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a little bit. Can you explain what's the mission of Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital so people understand where and how their money is going to be put to use if and when they donate? Yeah, sure, Larry. Thank you so very much for providing me an opportunity to be part of this fantastic podcast. And it's a true honor to be here and to be speaking to you about the Spalding Rehab Hospital. It's an extraordinary place located in the heart of Boston. It's extraordinary because it's home to extraordinary people. People who are committed to the mission of delivering compassionate care to help people that have had catastrophic injuries like Travis had, either affecting their spinal cord, their brain, any parts of their body creating lifelong disabilities and various conditions that require dependence on others for fulfilling activities of daily living. Spalding is a unique care system treating over 300 patients with spinal cord injury each year and is the largest hospital in New England that sees the most spinal cord injuries. I would say that during my time in Boston, I've been committed to the mission of Spalding because of my personal experiences, similar to Scott. I had a father with a spinal cord injury. I also had a mother-in-law who had a spinal cord injury. So not only as a clinician, as a scientist, but I've also taken this mission of creating an environment to help people regain independence after spinal cord injury. I've taken that mission personally. 
and Spalding has provided the resources to help me push forward with this mission, and it's very much congruent and complementary to the foundation. So when the, the foundation provided funding to support a new center at Spalding in honor of Travis and his legacy as a champion for those who have had an injury or some type of trauma affecting their spinal cord and resulting in serious paralysis, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to be a part of that. So we have a center. It's an endowed center. I consider it a seed for us to continue to water and provide growth in terms of supporting individuals that have had spinal cord injuries as well as those that haven't had injuries yet. And the sole purpose is to accelerate independence and improve quality of life for not only those with injuries but also their families and their caregivers. So often with spinal cord injuries, because there is no cure, there is a overwhelming sense of burden and guilt that's associated with this disease. And so part of the mission of this center for enhancing functional independence is to allow for technologies that we have readily available to be given to these individuals and their families to make their lives easier, not only in the hospital, but also in the home. Yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, I'm a big advocate and do a lot of work in the mental health space. And when you have a disease or an injury, there's definitely the physical aspect to it, but there's also the mental aspect to it. And it doesn't just impact the person or the individual that's affected by it. It really resonates through the entire family. So all of that and all the great work you're doing is, is tremendously respected and appreciated. From a medical and I guess a clinical standpoint, what do you see is the future of spinal cord research. Do you see a cure in the future or are we working towards that? Where are we on that spectrum? I know a lot is changing very quickly in the medical space. Yeah, that's a great question. I get this question quite a bit. I think when we look at the entire field of spinal cord injury treatment, it's actually relatively new. And there's a tremendous amount of hope for the future. And to arrive at a cure is the ultimate goal. When I think about where we've come in terms of treatments and where I think we're headed, I, I do oftentimes consider the 80-20 principle. If you look at the breakthroughs in science, 80% of these breakthroughs have happened in the last 20 years. And these advances have been in the forms of acute treatments to reduce the severity of the initial trauma all the way up towards how do we handle injuries that have been laying dormant or have been persistent for many years. And what we've accomplished in 20 years is tremendous. And so we can imagine what the next 20 years will bring. Current treatments have been ultimately focused on minimizing damage as much as possible and providing therapies to help restore what is left. And certainly as of right now, there is no cure. And so the center acknowledges that as we are searching for that cure, there needs to be an immediate impact on the individuals that are dealing with these, these day in and day out struggles with paralysis. And those can come in the form of, of technologies that allow individuals to restore independence. If they can't use their hands, they can use their voice. 
They can use their eyes. They can use other forms of communication. And unfortunately, much of the hospitals throughout the United States haven't really exploited that capacity in the hospital rooms. And in many cases, it's sort of like the Wild West. There are individuals using the Internet of Things to create these technologies for themselves in the home, but there is no standardized way of creating these opportunities for as many people that are dealing with these struggles. So it's as of right now, the treatments have been directed towards trying to come up with strategies to improve function. But in the future, targeted treatments, combinatorial treatments that are more personalized, that are looking at regrowth and repair, those are all happening now and will continue to mature over time. Yeah, well, I hope one day, and please don't take this the wrong way, doctor, I hope one day you're put out of business because there's a cure and you don't have to do this research. But I guess that's the big, hairy, audacious goal. Lee, let me shift to you for a minute because Scott mentioned it earlier in terms of the monies being raised from this event now shifting from the Travis Roy Foundation to the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. Can you talk to that kind of process in terms of, because many listeners, I'm sure they don't realize how or why that's taking place in terms of how did the Travis Roy Foundation now become a part of or redirect those funds to Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital? Pretty easy transition. The Travis Roy Center for Enhanced Independence, which is what the endowment is called at Spalding. Travis just cares about others, always cared about others. Pre-accident, post-accident, he always cared about others. And after his injury, he found that one of the things that really did lift him up was he would quite often go over to Spalding. He would be aware of a new patient that's arrived or this or that. And he would go and just meet with families and talk with the survivor, male, female, young, old. It really didn't matter. And we didn't do it right away because there's so much post-injury that a family can't take it all in. So he was pretty guarded as far as when he'd go over. Once he established himself at Spalding and people knew him and what he was doing and they welcomed him from the medical staff and so forth, Travis wanted to see what he could do through his foundation to help these people. And just pre-COVID, they had just started a program, a pilot program, where anybody that went to Spalding and got out of there, they had a package of different things that would make life easier, a cup holder, a mechanism, ECO that would turn lights off and so forth. And so Travis set up, along with Spalding, a pilot program, and then COVID hit. And so for three years, didn't you couldn't, it just couldn't, Travis couldn't go into the hospital anymore, which really bothered him and so forth. And then after Travis' death, it was just a normal progression to get back to the people at Spalding where he'd set up this program and say, hey, we'd like to do something. The trustees, the foundation, Brenda and I, daughter and so forth, wanted to continue in some way helping those people when they left the hospital. So we were fortunate that with the monies raised, we had always been setting aside some money each year for an endowment, although we never knew what we were going to endow. And it ended up that upon Travis's death and his wish that we shut the foundation per se down, it gave us the opportunity to take some of that money we had set aside 
And it just was a very easy decision for the trustees to try to set up a program locally in Boston where Travis sort of was like the mayor, unofficial mayor of Boston when he, when he traveled around in his wheelchair. It just seemed that everybody in Boston knew Travis. And so anyways, it was just a way that we felt we could continue his legacy, the trustees and so forth. So it, and Spalding built a beautiful new facility. We won't talk about the old one. The beautiful new one is just gorgeous. And they really are the leading rehab hospital in New England and uh, do a great job. And just, it went hand in hand with what we wanted to do with Travis. Yeah, that's amazing. And it'll allow his story and his legacy to to live on for hopefully generations to come. I want to shift to Dr. and Scott for a moment and get kind of two different perspectives in terms of supporting the mission. So Dr. Trumbauer, how do folks who are listening, who this resonates with, either they've been personally affected, saw the events unfold in October 95, like I did, if they want to support this mission, aside from the hockey game, which I'm going to leave that to Scott to talk about in a moment, how could people outside of the hockey game support this mission? What are some ways? Yeah, so from my perspective, I think the importance is first and foremost, listening and acknowledging that there are individuals with spinal cord injury that are dealing with tremendous financial burden. With first year alone, $1.2 million in expenses. Every year after, $200,000 each year. To regain independence and be a community dweller that can do things independently and reduce the burden on families requires financial help. And as a nonprofit institution, we have this center, we have a seed to help create an opportunity for technologies to get into the hands of certain individuals that come through the rehab hospital, but not everyone with a spinal cord injury is going to be at Spalding Rehab Hospital. And we want to provide this center an opportunity to not only enable those that are patients at Spalding, but those that have had injuries outside of the Boston area, outside of New England. And to do this, we need support. We need word of mouth about this cause, about our hopes, our mission, our vision, and any financial support that we can get from individuals to help support Travis's legacy would go so very far for us in achieving the ultimate goal, which is to help those that are dealing with these catastrophic injuries that as of right now, there is no cure. Right. Appreciate that. And I encourage anybody to take a look at Spalding, see if it aligns with you, make a donation, small, large, whatever you're comfortable with. And Scott, for this event in particular, can you give people the particulars, date, time, what's going on, so they have an idea of the scope of the event and then how they can contribute and support those that will be uh, skating that day? Definitely. So our game takes place Thursday, March 2nd at Madison Square Garden. Everyone listening is more than welcome to watch. It doesn't cost anything to be there. And our game takes place from 1 to 2 o'clock that day. And then something really fun is that everyone attending is can come out and go skating right after our game. So be sure to bring your skates. 
and we'd love to have you there. And obviously, Larry, you'll send out a in terms of a fundraising link. But again, it's completely fun and complimentary for everyone to come and be able to be a part of this event and have the opportunity to be able to skate at MSG is a pretty incredible, it's just an incredible thing to be able to do. So hopefully we'll get a lot of people out there that day. Yeah. So if you're listening and you know me and you want to see me make a fool of myself because I haven't skated in a while, come down. I invite you. All I ask is make a small donation and support me in doing that. My family will be there. I'm actually bringing almost my, well, I guess my entire team from my office is coming that day. We're making it a, an office trip and they're going to come watch and skate at the, at Madison Square Garden. So we're going to make a lot of fun out of it. So I'd be more than happy to have you come down. Re- Reach out and and join us that day. And I like sharing when I talk about charity. Remember a rabbi, I'm Jewish rabbi, said this a long time ago. And that when talking about giving to charity, the old saying is give until it hurts. And he said, and this has resonated and stuck with me. He said, you know what? He goes, that is a terrible saying. He goes, because giving should not hurt. It should not feel like it hurt and you should not give what you should do is give until it feels good. Give until it feels great because I know when I give up time, money, whatever, I donate something. There's such a feeling of joy that overcomes me when I do that. Hey, Lee, what I want to do is one more question before we, we give you all the last question that we always ask all of our guests. But want, from your standpoint, to leave with our listeners, in, in your view, and I know you're speaking on your behalf and Brenda as well, and the rest of your family and the foundation. In the end, what do you hope that Travis's legacy will teach others? Well, I'm going to take actually words from Travis, and that is a positive attitude can take you further in life than most anything else. And he truly believed that. Also, the quote that is a number of places is, sometimes we choose our challenges. Other times, the challenges choose us. It's what we do in the face of those challenges that defines who we are and, more importantly, who we can and will become. And then finally, the third thing as far as his legacy concern is I think Travis demonstrated that one person can make a difference. And each of us took that upon ourselves, tried to make the world a little bit better in whatever form you want to do it, choose to do it. One person can make a difference. That's amazing. I literally got goosebumps while you said those three things. I really did. And I think that's a testament to who he was and how he lived his life before and after. I don't think that one defined him. I think he really lived it his way. And even in his past was still had goals in saying that he wanted this money to be the foundation to be shut down and put to a greater good. And you're fulfilling and executing on that legacy. And I think that's amazing. And as I've said in some of the posts, I think everybody can learn a little bit something from his story and his life. And if they take that and do a little bit of good, as you say, I think it'll make the world a better place. So on that note, as we're talking about making the world a better place and instituting joy, we end 
every show by asking each of our guests. So now we're going to get three different answers, which we've never gotten before. The most has been two, but we're going to get three different answers. So doctor, start with you, and then I'm going to go to Scott, and then we'll ask Lee the same question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Because we're all about joy here on our show. Great question, and it's an obvious one for me. Having an opportunity to connect with you and others on this special podcast is a source of tremendous joy. Talking about Travis's generosity, his kindness, this is contagious personality, brings me happiness, which brings me good health and contentment. And those are what I consider pillars of a successful life. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Scott, what about you? What did you do today that brought you joy? Well, I think we all realize that life is fragile. We don't know what tomorrow brings and that we have to live every day to the fullest. I am very fortunate because I work with an incredible team and can always rely on them. So they bring me joy and they give me definitely the right mindset for success. So for that, I'm thankful. Amazing. And Lee, what did you do today that brought you joy? Getting up and looking around and seeing the sun out there and the beautiful blue sky and so forth, just another opportunity to participate with my immediate family, with my extended family. And for Brenda and I, our family has grown exponentially because of what our son did, what he was able to accomplish. And we want to continue to just maintain a positive attitude and demonstrate that each day in some form and hopefully make the world, as I say, just a little bit better one way or another. Amazing. Thank you for sharing, everybody. It's, it brought me a tremendous amount of joy telling Travis's story today, having you all on the show. If people want to learn more about Spalding Rehabilitation Center, the Travis Roy Hockey Classic, we're going to have all that information in the show notes. But if Dr. Trumbauer, if you could just point people in the right direction, the easiest and best place to learn more about Spalding Rehabilitation Center, where would they go to do that? Yeah, so Dr. Google, if you Google Spalding Rehab Hospital, the main website, there are the first page gives you insight on ways to connect with me and others at Spalding. If there's interest in learning more about the center, you can visit inspire-lab.org, which is an alias for a web page that's being developed and a website that's going to be dedicated to the center. And there you can reach out and connect and ask questions, and I'd be more than happy to answer and respond to those questions as quickly as possible. Great. And Scott, where can people learn more about the hockey, the Travis Roy Hockey Classic on March 2nd, and I guess for subsequent years as well? So, Larry, obviously you'll send out the link with more information, and certainly they can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to answer any questions anyone has. If they'd like to get involved, we'd just like to have anyone who'd like to be a part of this incredible event to be, whether they come to Madison Square Garden, cheer us on, or bring their skates, or just make a donation. We just really appreciate everyone's ability to be involved in this incredible event. Great. And obviously, you go online, you can learn about Travis and his story. And again, I'm going to make one last plea. Please, if you can find it in your heart to support this great event, this great cause, whether it's myself, 
Scott or any other folks skating, or just simply make a donation to Spalding. If you're not a hockey fan, and maybe you shouldn't be listening to my show if you're not, but I'm sure you are, but support the cause some way, somehow, this great individual. I would really appreciate it. If you have any questions, you could also reach out to me. And thank you all for joining us and make it a great day. Thank you, Larry. Hey, thanks so much, Larry. Thank you, Larry. I want to thank Scott Littner, Brendan Leroy, and Dr. Randy Trumbauer for all being guests on the Midland Money Mindset. Just 11 seconds into his first shift as a collegiate hockey player, Travis's hockey career may have been over, but his life's work was not. The impact he had up until his death was immeasurable, and Travis Roy, as well as his legacy, will live on to help countless others. I will be participating in the 2023 Travis Roy Hockey Classic, which will be raising valuable funds for the Travis Roy Center and those with spinal cord injuries. Please support me in this effort to help make this the most successful event yet by making a donation using the link in the show notes. Travis Roy's story can be found online everywhere, and our guest today can be found across most social media platforms. All of the contact information needed to find them, more information about Travis's story, or to make a donation for this event can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.